have a Bible with you, uh, let's go to Psalm 110, uh, is where we'll be this morning, Psalm 110, and if you are a guest with us today, uh, I want to say hello, welcome you, my name is Lee, and I'm one of the pastors here, it's good to have you, uh, there's ways you can connect with us, if you are here in person, that's by filling out this welcome card that's right in front of you, on the back side of that, that's for anybody and everybody. If you've got a prayer request, something you'd like to share uh, that we can come alongside and encourage you in, uh, fill that out on the back. Then at the end of our service, when you are leaving this room, there are some gray boxes on the black tables by the doors. That's our offering boxes right now, and you can place this card uh, right in there. Those of you that are online this morning worshiping with us, we want to say welcome to you. Uh, thank you for joining us. We'd love to connect with you no matter where you are, uh, know how to pray for you and follow up with you. So you can go to heightschurch.org slash connect. We'd love to follow up with you as well. So thank you for worshiping with us this morning. You know, Psalm 110, we're in this series called The Great King. Uh, it's in our Easter series. And if you think about the day of David in the Old Testament, there would be people of this day when he's writing this psalm, crying out for justice. They've seen an injustice done, and now they want to see justice happen. In the day of Jesus, there would be people crying out for justice. They've seen injustice happen, now they want to see justice. In our culture today, we see injustice, and what do we want? Justice to happen. I mean, you just think about the last couple of weeks, 18 people in Atlanta and Colorado uh, killed in shootings. We've heard on Friday the news of Texas State Trooper Chad Walker shot while just doing a routine stop. You know, our news cycles dominated by theft and crime and rape and murder. And when we watch all of that and we see that happening, What's inside our hearts? What's inside your mind in those moments when you see those news stories of a, of a highway trooper just doing his job, just making a routine stop, and a guy getting out of his car and just shooting? What's in our hearts and moments at that time is we want justice. We know that's wrong, and we want a wrong made right. And, and no matter whether you're a Christian or you're a skeptic, all of us have that system of justice. When we see something wrong, all of us inside of us say, that's got to be made right. There needs to be justice done. 2,000 years ago, Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. And as Matt pointed out, the crowd has heard of his arrival. Thousands upon thousands of people are pouring in to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And as Christ rides in, they're yelling out, Hosanna, salvation now. We want salvation. We want justice from our oppressors. We want justice from the Romans. We want justice from these people who are ruling over us. That term Hosanna means salvation. You can even really translate it out this way. I beg you to save. This morning when you see that, there's part of us that say, God, someone did an injustice to me and I'm begging you to save. I'm begging you to do this and to make it right. David is writing Psalm 110 
and it's a royal psalm. So that means it's about a king. And what's interesting about Psalm 110, it's the most quoted psalm all throughout the New Testament. It is, it is quoted more than any other psalm in the New Testament. 29 times this psalm is quoted in the New Testament. And it's about a Messiah to come. So the Jews of David's day knew Psalm 110 was about a Messiah to come. The Jews of Jesus' day knew Psalm 110 was about a Messiah to come, a great king. So who is this great king? Let's pick up in verse 1. It says, a psalm of David says, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Verse 3, your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of the earth, the dew of your youth will be yours. Notice in verse 1, David overhears this conversation between God and Jesus. And he says, the Lord says to my Lord. But there's two different spellings of Lord. So the first spelling you're going to see is all capitals. And that Lord there means Yahweh. That's the name of God. Then the second Lord you see in verse 1 has a capital L in lowercase. And so that's the Hebrew word Adonai. And that means Lord. And so what you essentially have here is you have God the Father talking to God the Son. And so in the New Testament, there comes a point in time where Jesus is having a conversation with the Pharisees, and there's this time where they come up to him and they're saying, well, hang on, who's David's son? Who's the David's son that Psalm 110 is talking about? And Christ and Matthew, Mark, and Luke applies it to himself. And listen, as we pick up on that conversation in Luke chapter 20, verse 41. But he said to them, so that he is Jesus, Jesus said to the Pharisees, how can they say that Christ is David's son? For David himself says in the book of Psalms, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. And so in the gospels, Christ is saying, that's who David's talking about. He's talking about me. I'm the great king that David was talking about here. But notice what this great king does. We see that, it's he, the, that God the Father tells God the Son, sit at my right hand. The right hand is a position of authority. The right hand is a position of power. And so right now, that's where Christ is. That Christ died on the cross. Christ rose from the grave. Christ ascended to heaven. And right now, Christ is seated at the right hand of God, waiting to come again. And so right now, he's in a position of authority and power and honor at the right hand of the Father. But notice what the Father says to the Son. You sit here until I make your enemies your footstool. In the ancient Near East, they had the concept of this footstool. And it's, it's a pretty easy concept to understand because we use terms that are kind of similar today. But essentially, the footstool position was when you were conquered by someone, you were to say to be under their feet. You were under their rule. They conquered you, and the position of defeat was at the footstool. Now, we use the terms in sports terms. 
You know, when we're talking kind of, you know, trash with our friends and we're getting into it and our two teams are playing, we would say something like, our team's going to crush you, right? We're going to stomp you into the ground. We're going to walk all over you. Some of you are looking at me like, this is church. We don't use those terms, right? (laughs) Come on, you know you have, right? But essentially we're saying, we're going to place you under our foot. We're going to stomp on your neck. We're going to destroy you. And that's what God the Father is saying to God the Son. You're going to walk over your enemies. They will be under your feet. You will crush them. I think the Apostle Paul picked up on this. Because it's in a letter to the church of Philippi that in chapter 2, in verses 9 through 11, Paul says these words. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. You will be and I will be one day at the feet of of Jesus. Will you bow in worship? Will you bow in submission as this is my king and my savior in whom I'm devoted to and whom I love? Or will you be under his feet as a defeated enemy? Will you bow in worship and be at his feet that way? Will you take the position of Mary in the story of Mary and Martha and sit there and worship the king? Or will you be under his foot, defeated, crushed? You'll be there, but how will you choose to be there? Because I want you to notice the blessing of following this king. Verse 3 shows us the blessing of following this king Jesus Verse 3 says, your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. Now, I believe this, verse 3 is pointing you ahead. And verse 3 is pointing you to the time that Christ comes again to rule and reign from the throne of David in the millennial kingdom. And we as the redeemed come and we say, we're here to serve. Sign me up. Let me do whatever you call me to do. I I am yours. I belong to you. But notice in verse 3 also, I believe there's something for us now. He says, from the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. That's a very poetic way of essentially saying this, that in Christ, you find refreshment. In Christ, you find fulfillment now. And so if you go, you know what, I, I, I just I feel spiritually dry. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm lacking purpose. I feel like I'm just, you know, I'm just going through the motions. Then spend time with Christ. Spend more and more time with Jesus. Lean into him and be refreshed, be renewed, because that's what the great king does. He provides us continual refreshment. So Christ is the great king. But notice also Psalm 110 takes us another direction. It's Christ who is the great high priest. Let's pick up in verses 4 through 7. 
Not only do we see Jesus as king, but now we'll see him as priest. Verse 4 says, the Lord has sworn, not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. Now, these are fascinating verses. Because what has happened here that David is talking about has never happened. What's going on is in the Old Testament, you never had a merger of the two offices of king and priest into one. All right, there was always king and high priest. There were never one office under one person. Now, you could probably point to David and say David came the closest out of all the kings. But we know even as David was a good king, David still had a lot of problems and sin to deal with, right? That's why he says in Psalm 51 verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So even though the only time in the Bible God says, This is a guy after my own heart, he had a lot of baggage he was still carrying in his life. That's why he writes those words, God, I I need a clean heart, and all of us need that. We all need that clean heart. But when the people of Israel are reading Psalm 110, they're thinking, wait a minute, we've never had a king good enough with this. I mean, they would go down the line and say, remember this king? Yeah, that guy ended up doing this wrong, or he had this moral failure. You know, there's no way that was him. They would do the same with the high priest. Hey, we never had a perfect high priest. There was moral failure among all those guys. And so for all of them, when they read that, what are they longing for? The perfect leader. What about us today? We look out at our culture, and we see our politicians are perfect. (laughs) And all our leaders are perfect. And we we see leadership around us at times fail us, sometimes fail us morally. About when we look out at the scope of Christianity and we see pastors sometimes fail morally. What happens when we see that moral failure within our leadership, whether it's a politician or a pastor or a councilman or a teacher or a coach, what goes on within us? What are you thinking? What are you feeling in that moment? You're thinking this. Who's the perfect leader? Who's the perfect one? Because I want a perfect leader. And God says this in verse 4. The Lord has sworn. Yahweh has sworn. Because remember, that's capital letters there. So this is Yahweh. God has sworn. So he's put down an oath. And he doubles down on that oath. He says, I'm not going to change my mind. You're a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek's going to bring up a lot of questions for you that I'm going to answer in two minutes. And you're going to probably have way more, right? Because I know for some of you, you go, I've heard that name before. And some of you are like, who in the world is Melchizedek? Because we don't usually name our kids Melchizedek's, right? Melchizedek comes in the Bible real fast and leaves just as fast. 
So you first meet Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 14. He is the king of Salem, which was another term for Jerusalem. And it's after a battle that Melchizedek and Abraham meet. And Abraham falls down and he worships Melchizedek and he gives him a tenth, a, a tithe of the spoils of victory. So he, he tithes to Melchizedek. He gave him a tenth. And then in those couple of verses, Melchizedek's gone. And the next time you see Melchizedek is Psalm 110. Then the next time you see Melchizedek is the book of Hebrews where he's mentioned several different times. So who is this guy? I believe this. I believe that he was a type of Christ. I believe in the Old Testament what you would see in Genesis when he, he was a, the pre-incarnated Jesus that had an appearance from Abraham. But here's why he's important, and don't miss this. It's the author of Hebrews that uses Psalm 110 to explain to a Jewish audience how Jesus perfectly fulfills the role of king and priest. And so he's your high priest, and that means this. He's never stopping that. He never gives up that office. He's never voted out of that office. He's never going to resign from that office. There's no moral failure that's going to kick him out of that office. And what does a high priest do on your behalf? A high priest comes on your behalf before God. And the high priest, now Jesus, has made a way for you to connect to God now and forever. Here's some of my favorite verses in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Listen carefully to them. Since then, we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Isn't that good news? We don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with us. But one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So let us draw with confidence near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. Isn't that good news? That's what Christ does for you. He says, I'm bringing you as your high priest into the presence of God the Father today, and I can sympathize with you. I know weaknesses like you do. I was tempted like you are, yet without sin, I still am relating to you, and I'm bringing you to God to where right now, no matter the issue, no matter the problem, big or small, you can find grace and help in time of need. It's Christ who's our perfect king. It's Christ who's our perfect high priest. But I want you to notice his priesthood is invincible. His priesthood is invincible. Look in verse 5 again. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter the kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nation, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his 
head. Six affirmations of what Christ will do to those who oppose him. Verse 5, you can just follow along with me. He's going to shatter the kings on the day of his wrath. Verse 6, he executes judgment among the nations. Verse 6 says that he will fill places with dead bodies. I believe this points us to the battle of the Armageddon. Verse 6, he will shatter chiefs. He will execute the heads of many countries who oppose him. Verse 7, he will drink from the brook by the way. Following his victory, he will reclaim his throne and sit back on his throne in a position of victory. Verse 7, he will lift up his head. That means this, there is an eternal celebration over all evil because of what our great king and high priest Jesus has done. 2,000 years ago, he rode in cries of Hosanna, cries of salvation now, cries of justice to be done. Later that week, those cries turned to crucify. And the greatest act of injustice was performed. The Son of God crucified. A man who never sinned. A man who lived his life sharing good news, helping the poor, healing the sick, was nailed to a cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Three days later, what man meant for evil, God meant for good. He rose from the grave. And all throughout time, right now, he's calling people to come and follow him. Right now, this king, this priest, is waiting to come again when God the Father says it's time. See, understand that no one escapes justice. I mentioned the shooting of our state trooper, Chad Walker, earlier. I was reading the news this morning that the gentleman who shot the state trooper took his own life yesterday. We might look at that and say, wait a minute, that's not fair. He didn't get his day in court. We don't know why he did it. No, no. He'll get his day in court. He'll have to answer for that sin before the Father. No one escapes justice. And this morning, the only way to avoid the wrath and the judgment of God is to come to the great king and the priest, Jesus, and to come to him and say, I want to follow you. I want life in you. I want to find purpose in you. I want to worship you for all of eternity. As a teenager this morning, what injustice are you crying out about? As a woman this morning, what injustice are you crying out about? As a man this morning, what injustice are you crying out about? Because when Christ comes again, all is made right. All wrongs are corrected. Evil will be forever punished. This is our great king and priest of Psalm 110. I want to invite you to stand with me right now. We're going to sing and we're going to sing a great song. What a beautiful name it is. 
What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. Listen to these words. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. This morning, if you don't I want to thank you for watching today's message. Right now, I want to encourage you to do something. You know, when we hear the Word of God, the Bible calls us to make a decision. And really, that comes from Jesus. All throughout the New Testament, Jesus is saying, come and follow me. If you think about all the decisions that you've had to make in your life, some were small decisions, some were big decisions, some were not really important, and some were very important. But the decision of what you're going to do with Jesus Christ in your life is the most important decision that you're ever going to make. See, really, there's only two options. You can walk with Jesus or you could walk away from Jesus. And I want to encourage you right now to walk with Jesus. And the way that you have a relationship with Jesus is you place your faith in Him. You place your trust in Him. And what you're doing by placing your faith and trust in Jesus is you're saying, Jesus, I, I know I have sinned. I know I have sin in my life that separates me from God, and I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to trust that you can bring me to God. See, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 and verse 21 that Jesus knew no sin, but he was made to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And what that means is this, that when Jesus died on the cross, God put all our sin on him. And that when you trust by faith in Jesus, he gets your sin and you get his righteousness. It's called the great exchange. You give him your sin and he gives you his righteousness. That means you're forgiven. You're forgiven of all the sins that you've ever done and that you're forgiven of all the sins you ever will do. And the Bible says that when you place your faith and trust in Jesus, that God forgives you of your sin and he forgives you of of the power of sin in your life right now, that when you die, that God will take you to heaven to be with Him for all of eternity. And so if you're ready to do that, I want to encourage you to do that right now where you are. And you simply can pray along with me. Just bow your head and close your eyes. And you can say, Dear God, I know I have sinned. And today I'm ready to trust Jesus as my Savior. Thank you, God, for saving me. You know, friend, if you've prayed that with us today, I want to encourage you to let us know. You can go to heightschurch.org slash connect or simply open the camera app uh, on your phone and put it right over this QR code, and that's going to take you to that website. There you can let us know that you prayed to receive Jesus as your Savior. What we'd love to do is celebrate that with you, pray for you, come alongside of you and help you take your next steps of faith. And so I want to thank you for watching today's message. I want to encourage you, if you're able to make it out, we'd love to see you in person here at Heights on Sunday mornings at 9 or 10.30 a.m. Or you can catch us online at 9 and 10.30 a.m. live on Sunday mornings on our Heights Facebook page or our Heights YouTube page. So again, until next time, God bless and have a great week.